1: Right, Hello, Dale. Welcome. This is Zero Pucks Given brought to you by Starmark and Wise Snacks. I am Ty Anderson. As always, Dale Arnold. Dale, pretty exciting uh, three or four days here. <laughs> it's been kind of fun. Uh,
0: got an, As we're taping this thing now, uh, they've got an opportunity for all intents and purposes to wrap up the division in the conference tonight. Technically, they'll need another point. Uh, but if they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight, uh, they'll have a... Four-point lead. Tampa will only have two games remaining. They've got the tiebreaker in ROW, so you've got to get one more point besides that. But I think the Bruins
1: are probably going to finish first in the East. And My whole thing is I've never felt more confident in this team than I did at the end of Thursday night's game. I felt like that was the game that Tampa Bay could have swung back and really sort of changed the dynamic of this season series. Now I look at it and I say, even if Tampa wins tonight, I still like the Bruins in a seven-game series. Yeah, and look, let's
0: be honest. Uh, Throughout the the course of sports history, there is a team for every team that they just have their number. Uh, You know, the the Washington Capitals have had the Bruins number, and until they turn that around, I'm still going to believe they've got the Bruins number, or at least Braden Holtby does. The Bruins have the Tampa Bay Lightning's number, and they have for a, a number of years. If you go back to that playoff series, in the Stanley Cup run, really from then until now, despite, you know, the the superb players who play for Tampa Bay, and I I have undying admiration for Steven Stamkos, who I, as we're sitting here now, I'm not even sure is going to play against the Bruins tonight. But even with Stamkos in the lineup and Hedman and, you know, all those guys, uh, I think the Bruins kind of have the lightning number. Interestingly enough, if you watch the lightning, and I know you have, you get the, the sense that Vasilevsky is in that boat that Tuka has been in the last couple of years, where they've played him too much. They had to, or at least they felt they had to. Uh, I think he's worn down. I, I think that he, he looks like a guy who's kind of running on fumes. Uh, it doesn't speak well for the Lightning going into the playoffs. If you've got a, a Stamkos, who, by the way, they're not even sure he's going to play again until the playoffs. They may hold him back for the rest of this week. And a goaltender who looks like he's on fumes, that does not bode well for them long term.
1: Yeah, and I was saying that the other day. Actually, it's it's one of those things where once a goaltender's tired, you can't make him untired. You, you can well, give him you some can rest, but next it's, September. It's, but yeah, it's, exactly. It's never going to be the same in season. I feel like so. So that's that's something they have really sort of I think mismanaged here. I mean, he's a, he's a one of these players that I had on my on my heart my my uh, my heart trophy ballot beginning the, the, the middle of the year because I thought he was playing so well. Now it's a totally different goaltender. It seems that he's letting at least one bad goal per game. You know, I look at a few of those goals that Bruins scored on them, I said, if he's a little bit fresher, I don't know if those go in. You know, I think I think that he's just kind of mentally fatigued. And you know, I think that team as a whole, mentally, I don't think that they are where they need to be in the seven game series with Boston Bruins. I think you're seeing that with the way that shallower and Achari I mean, these guys are getting under their skin and, and just having them completely unravel before their eyes. And you're and you're seeing it happen for the Bruins
0: where, you know, they're starting to trickle guys back into the lineup. You know, first it was Bergeron coming back and You know, then it was DeBrusque, and then it's Chara. Tonight it's going to be McAvoy. Uh, We get word from Bruce Cassidy as we're sitting here today that Rick Nash has begun skating back here in Boston. He'll play before the weekend is out. They'll want to get a regular season game under his belt. Uh, You know, Riley Nash, once the swelling goes down in his ear and he can get his (laughs) helmet back on, he'll likely be able to play. Uh, Corrale's the one I'm not sure of, but Corrale might not have a spot on this, you know, normal 20-man roster, skating roster. When everybody's healthy, uh, they're getting healthy at the exact right time. It, it has worked out this way, certainly not the way they planned it, that you know, Patrice Bergeron got a great rest. Zdeno Chara got a great rest. I think you'll see Bruce Cassidy work in rest times before the weekend is out for both Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, who've kind of carried this team through the injury-riddled month of March. They'll get a game off. And, you know, the Bruins are in as good a shape going into the playoffs, knock wood, You've still got, you know, a couple
1: of games to get out of the way here. They're in as good a shape as you can be in. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't want to undersell how important this March was for them. I, I think that I looked at March, and we looked at April first April as well. Seventeen games, thirty-two days. I mean, that was a death sentence, I think, for this team. But they were the best team. They were one of the best teams in hockey throughout it. In, in the month
0: of March, where it was sixteen games in thirty-one days, eleven, two, and three. It's wild. 11-2-3 over the month of March. And you go through the list, and we did this the other night on Nesson. You know, you go through the list of guys who were missing. And this was as of Saturday, because we were working this up for Saturday's show. Uh, with Chara out of the lineup, they were 5-1-2 and two over the stretch that he was gone. With McAvoy out of the lineup, they are 9-2-4. Uh, and four. With McAvoy out, when uh, Patrice Bergeron was out, they went 9-2-2 two, and two with him out of... And by the way, for a number of these games, you were missing all these guys. Yes, yeah. I'm just you giving individual numbers. When Jake DeBrusque was out of the lineup, 4-1-2. and two. Uh, Rick Nash, uh, with him out of the lineup, 4-0-4. Uh, oh, uh, you look at some of these numbers and it boggles your mind because these aren't just you know any kinds of players. These are key, important, vital cogs. And this Bruins team hasn't missed a beat with those guys down.
1: Yeah, and I think it really sort of generates confidence in a seven-game playoff series where you're looking at, okay, well, if, if Charles in the box or McAvoy's in the box, something happens, whatever the case may be. You can turn to Kevin Miller. You can turn to Matt Grislyk. I think the emergence of that pairing, that, that pairing has really made me comfortable in what this team can do in the postseason because I think you need three pairings now. I used to say you need three scoring lines. Now I think you need three pairings just based on the way the NHL is trending, the amount of skill that all these teams have to have... Three pairings you can put out there in any situation and trust them to get the job done, that's huge. So I look at that, and I think Kevin Miller's play we've talked about, I mean, he's been tremendous, I think, throughout this entire run. You know, I loved what Cassie did on Thursday where he gave the challenge of the Stamkos-Kucherov combo to Tori Krug and Brandon Carlo. These are not guys you expect to be out there against those kind of talents, but you know that's going to happen at some point in the postseason. So you roll with it, you, 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 you see how it plays out, and they actually won that battle. I think, I'm not
0: sure Bruins fans have a grasp on how good Torrey Krug's been this year. Uh, And and I know points are not the be-all and end-all for a defenseman. But just to put it in perspective, the last Bruins defenseman to have this many points in a season was Ray Bork in 1988-89. Think about that for a minute. Quite a while. Uh, It's been a long time since they've had a defenseman put these kind of points on the board. But more to your point, because I think you hit the nail on the head here. What Bruce Cassidy said was, you got Stamkos tonight. You go out and do the job. Because when you had Tampa Bay in here, you didn't have Chara. You didn't have McAvoy. You'll have them both tonight. But that's the kind of the, the level of trust that he's put in Krug. Krug has become a real leader on this team this year, too. Not just you know the production on the ice and the play on the ice. He's become a, a, a voice in, in the dressing room. And you go back, you could make an argument that this is the, the greatest College free agent signing the Bruins have ever made. You know, you go back to when there was a bit of a bidding war and teams were trying to get Tory Krug. You got to give Peter Shirelli credit. He was the guy in charge back then. What a move this was for an undrafted college free agent who could go anywhere he wanted to. The Bruins made sure they got him here, and boy, has he performed.
1: I know. I can't even think of one that comes close in terms of free agent signing, college free agent signing. I mean, Blake Wheeler, but that was a bidding war you know, as well. I mean, you kind of knew what you were getting there. I think Krug, there's a lot of unknowns. To most people, so they just see the size and they write them off. I think that's been a big thing for throughout his career, and he's sort of put that put that whole thing to bed. Really, I mean, he's been a tremendous tremendous talent for this team. I think that the thing I like about Tory Krug is that he's accountable. You know, when he has Always. a bad game, yeah. he comes up there and he goes, "I played like garbage. You know, I got to be better. I got to do this. I got to do that." And I think that is that is a, a true sign of, of sort of a player developing before your eyes and becoming more of a more of an asset beyond just the points like you talked about. You know, he's the guy that will hold others accountable and hold himself accountable as well. So he's been huge for them. You know, like you said, I think sixty points is on the table for him. I mean, if he gets that, I mean that that, that alone is pretty remarkable. And I, I brought up to him the last week in the locker room, I, I said, Hey, you know, I was watching NHL Network and, and they had you in the Norris conversation. You were you were in the top ten. And he's was, he was laughing about it. He's like, yeah, everyone was giving me grief about that. But it, it just shows you how far he's come. And that comes back to the award sort of changing a little bit, I think we'd agree. But... Yeah, it's become a points
0: award. Yeah, it really yeah. has.
1: But uh, just to see that guy in that breath, I never thought I would ever see that in a million years. And yeah. I don't expect him to get any first-place votes. But look at the way he's played this year. A fifth-place vote, fourth-place vote wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. Top 10 would be a pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> if you finish top 10
0: for the Norris, when you consider that he's the third-best defenseman on this team, that'd be
1: pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think the contracts looking like a bargain now. You got 5.25. He has his warts. Every defenseman every every defenseman will. But I think that in terms of bang for your buck, I, I don't think there's any sort of disappointment you can have with Torrey Krug. I can't imagine what there would be. I as I said, I I think
0: he's flown under the radar for Bruins fans. I'm a little surprised at that cuz he has been amazing. And especially with both Chara and McAvoy out of the lineup with those guys out of the lineup, and he's had to become the number one defenseman. He's also on a couple of occasions this year so clearly been playing through stuff, you know, physical stuff, and sucking it up and gutting it out and all those cliches you want to use. No problem at all. I'll go out there and play. Yeah, give me more minutes. I'll be out there as long as you need me to be.
1: You know, 23, 24 minutes a game. He's, he's done it all for this team. Yeah, and I think that's sort of that speaks to this whole roster now, it seems. Everyone does everything now. I mean, it's it's really remarkable, I think, that this team has been able to survive anything. Now, the new one, Brandon Carlo, I mean, pretty obvious, I think, what it was. Yeah, and it's funny, to,
0: not funny, it's weird to me that they don't just say it.
1: Yeah. You know, today Bruce Cassidy said he's got a significant
0: injury. Yeah. I mean, it's like they, they've become, you know, the Kremlin over there in terms of, of injury information, and I know how touchy they are about that. Everybody's got an upper body injury or a lower body injury, and everybody's day-to-day. He ain't day-to-day, and and it's clear when you saw it, uh, what happened on Saturday, and you can always tell these things as well. The minute Don Del Negro got there and and got to Carlo in the corner, he immediately looked up in the Zamboni uh, entrance where they were and motioned, get the stretcher, let's go. I mean, Donnie's as experienced as they come. He knew the minute he got there. We know... I don't know why they're so hesitant about saying, you know what, he's done for the year.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe they're trying to give him a glimmer of hope after missing last year's postseason, but I think it's pretty obvious that he's not going to be back. I mean, it, it is one of those things. I mean, maybe they're doing their due diligence here and figuring it all out, but I, I I can't see any situation in which he comes back. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, that, and I feel bad for the kid because he missed all of last season's uh, postseason as well with a concussion. Same area of the ice, too. Really, really bizarre that how it all kind of happened there.
0: And now. You know, the the trade deadline acquisition of Nick Holden looms even larger because that means he's going to play now. Um, And and I'm not sure he would have. I think there would have been a a real internal struggle for Bruce Cassidy. Do I sit Holden or do I sit – you know, Brandon Carlo had really stepped up his play here over the last few weeks. They had challenged him to be more physical. They had challenged him to be more assertive, and he had. Uh, I, I don't think they would have ended up sitting him and now that means Holden's going to get an opportunity to play that he might not have had otherwise. Because they're not going to sit Grizzlick. They're not going to obviously sit Krug, Chara, McAvoy. Not the way those guys have played. They're not going to sit Kevin Miller. I mean, right now it looks like Adam McQuaid, he'll be the odd man out tonight in Tampa. He will likely be the odd man out in the playoffs, uh, at least on, on a regular basis. He may draw in from time to time, depending on how physical a series is. But uh, that acquisition of Holden now looks gigantic for Don Sweeney.
1: Yeah, and I think it has to be sort of matchup based in a way. I, I think that you have to look at it and say, okay, well, well, you're playing a, a high end skill team end to end. In which case, I kind of want Holden in there. But if they're playing a team that has a great power play or some some physical wings, I would almost prefer McQuaid in there. You know, if they get Jersey in the first round, I would almost want to see McQuaid there because they have they have Miles Wood, they have they have Stafford. You know, even Jimmy Hayes is a guy that will go to the front of that. I don't know how effective he'll be. He won't be. do anything
0: when he gets there. Yeah, but he'll exactly. Go there. But but that's one of those things where it's like, I love Adam McQuaid, but you know. The skill level on this team, this Bruins team, is so dramatically different. We were talking about this the other day. You go back and compare the cup championship team to this team, and nothing matters until you do something. And I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse here. This is a better team than the cup team. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That cup team had one 30-goal score. That was Milan Lucic.
1: A lot of empties in there, too.
0: (laughs) This team has three 30-goal scores. They're all on the same line. Uh, You know, and I understand completely that Zdeno Chara is that many years older, but I would make an argument that, you know, he's gotten better over the last several years. That team didn't have Charlie McAvoy, you know, didn't have David Posternak, didn't have Jake DeBrusque. You had some things that were were really critical and crucial. They had Tim Thomas, for the final two series of the cup run, play as good as any goaltender can play. The, The final two series, he was out of his mind. Tuca hasn't proven that yet, He's, and he has to prove that. This fourth line, I would put up against the Merlot line. I really would. And, Absolutely. And, you know, you look at – if you just try to break it down, how does this team compare to that team? I think this team is better. Now, they got to prove it. You've got to go out and do it. But if you start to break it down bit by bit, this is pretty good. I mean, you're going to have a Rick Nash on a second or a third line. You're going to have a Jake DeBrusque, a Danton Heinen on a second or a third line. Uh, you're going to have a Riley Nash as your third-line center when he's had to spend time as the top-line center filling in for Bergeron. The depth on this team, the skill on this team, and this is a roundabout way of getting back to McQuaid, the skill on this defense is, is a whole lot different than it was back in 2010, 2011. And, and I think that that's going to make it tough, I think, at times for Adam. The game is so much different. Even in the yes. short seven-year period, between that and this, just the game itself is so different.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I was actually I was rewatching some some clips from the 2011 team uh, and their power play unit. You had you, was you, awful. You had Andrew Ferretts the on there. They had
0: the worst power play on a cup winning uh, team in the history of the NHL.
1: Wild. It was wildly bad.
0: And the Bruins have a power play that is a weapon again and and we were doing this whole breakdown the other day you think about how that wasn't just a a bad power play then it was a detriment it it sucked energy out of your team go, and they oh, still no, over the power
1: play yeah you you worried about a 5 minute major you know like i don't want a 5 minute major i no, I, we, I don't want to i don't want to go man up on for that. that long yeah no, but it's funny. Like you look back on that roster, right? They had at, they had Andrew Ference on their second power play I mean, it's wild to think that's that's who they had. Now you have all these options where you have. I mean, they they do it differently, of course, now than they did back then. But you have Pasternak on, on one of the points, and then you have McAvoy, Krug, Grizzly. You can even put Kevin Miller out there. I think, given uh, you know Nick Holden come yeah. before him, but you could. Yeah, his, his skating. I don't know game how fired
0: better. up I am about that, but you, but your point is made.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's something that's different, and I think when, when you look at this team. I just I can't see any team in this league beating them four out of seven times. I just I can't do it. I think Nashville is the only one I look at, and I say that team could do it. Pittsburgh maybe. I, I I'm not I'm not as in love with Pittsburgh as this year as I have been in years past. I, I don't see it.
0: I just think it's so hard too. And and this would be for any team, not just the Penguins, but any team in the NHL. You know, you're coming off back to back Cup winning wins. That means you've played you know 40 more games over the last couple of years than anybody else and a deep playoff run this year, there's a reason why it's really, really hard to do because the physical toll you're putting a team through, and especially the top stars, you know, on a team that, that would try to make it a three peat, man, it's tough on them physically to pull that off, I think.
1: Yeah, and I can't remember many three peats like in any sport, you know, let alone the one that's the most physically demanding and physically punishing that a Stanley Cup playoffs uh, yep. you know can really be. So yeah, I mean I'm with you there. I, I, I think that You know, if you have concerns about this Bruins team, I really think that they will come to a head in the third round. If you draw the Capitals, let's just say, like if you can get that far, but then by that point, I think you have enough momentum and enough sort of uh, of energy developed as a team that you're not worried about regular season numbers against Braden Holtby.
0: Well, I was going to say the irony is Holtby seems to be the guy who has your number, and I'm not sure he's their best goaltender right now. Yeah. And you know, he would probably play against the Bruins just because he's owned the Bruins. But I'm not sure you'd have the same fear factor as you know he has stoned this team he has he has owned them. I'm not even sure he's their best goalie right now.
1: listen to us. can you imagine having this conversation back in September' Because I can't no, of course not.
0: you know it's like people uh, at the beginning of the season i, I go back to this uh, if you think back that on November fifteenth uh this Bruins team was six, seven, and four. And we were getting when we would get Bruins calls on the talk show, and there weren't a lot of them. But when you did, it was what the hell's wrong with this team? Uh, co-hosts here would say, you know, what is going on here? Did they did they pick the wrong coach? Did they? And I kept saying, I don't know yet. You haven't seen the team <laughs> yet. You, sure. you haven't seen the team. So since November fifteenth, they're forty three ten and eight. That's ninety four points. That is the most in the NHL and the Eastern Con- most in the NHL, but in the Eastern Conference the caps are second and they're well behind. Uh since since that that start, six, seven and four, when they had a bunch of guys hurt and they didn't have the, the roster available, you were asking young guys to do more than you ever should have asked them to do, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise. You found out Debrus can play, that Heinen can play that well, you knew McAvoy could play just based on the playoffs last year, but you were getting more out of young guys. You were putting more responsibility on them, and they came through, and they performed, and And now you've got guys who are at least regular season hardened. Now let's see what they when they find out that the playoffs are a whole different beast, and they are. McAvoy's the one guy among the young guys who probably has that that knowledge base right now.
1: Yeah, no, and I agree, and it, it's, it's amazing how much a different – of a different team they are when they don't have Jordan Swores in their top six playing playing second-line center. It's kind of weird how that works out, right? Although he did get a contract extension, so good for him. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Uh, we will continue this conversation after a brief message from Wise Snacks.
0: Before the ice freezes and the ref drops the puck, make the Wise choice at your local grocer's aisle this hockey season and pick up your favorite Wise Snacks products. Made with high-quality ingredients packed with delicious flavor, Wise Snacks is that clutch score for your taste buds. Let's go, hockey fans! Hop over the boards and get your feet moving. Go top shelf this season and pick up your favorite tasting Wise Snacks products. As your team continues its quest towards the cup,
1: right, Dale, I'm happy you brought this up in the last segment. Uh, one of the things that that really sort of uh, I want to touch on was Tugarask, proving it in the postseason. I think that he has been all right in the postseason. I think that I think that we look back at last year. I give him a lot of credit for battling through. Uh, what was a pretty significant he's groin injury. probably been better than all right.
0: Well, that's what I mean. I mean, I- the numbers would tell you he's been better than all right, but he hasn't He hasn't done it yet. Yeah. The way Tim Thomas got over the hump and did it. You know, Tuka's always going to have those playoff bumps that everybody's going to remember. The 3 nothing lead against the Flyers and losing four games to three. And having the lead in game six against the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup final and giving up the two late goals. Even though you and I and most hockey fans know that it's not the goalie, it's you know, the five guys on the ice and there were other issues, the goalie's always going to be the guy assigned the responsibility. How'd you give up two goals late? How come you didn't force it to a game seven? You didn't come through when the team needed you. I understand. I really do. And, and frankly, I, I don't even disagree with it until he you know, puts up or shuts up. But if you, go, if, you go, if you do a deep dive through Tuka's playoff numbers, they're really good. Yeah. His goal's against average is below two in that in that year that they they lost to the Blackhawks in game six. His playoff goals against and save percentage his his goals against was like one point nine
1: something. His save percentage was like nine fifty. You can't play better than that no i I think that when when I say all right, I think the one disappointment that I have with and I share this with people is the two thousand and fourteen season the 2014 when they lost to the canadians in, in in the second round i thought that he was okay in that but i think if you look anywhere else i mean it's it's hard to be disappointed with him because of the way he has played and the sort of the load that he shouldered i think uh really with this team so he's got to prove it and i yeah. understand that i really do you know that
0: you've you've had those instances too like last year where you needed to win in the 82nd game of the regular season and he, he ends up sick and can't play uh you know those are valid concerns that people have and he probably understands that too but I think that they've prepared him for a playoff run in the perfect way Anton Hudobin has given them the ability to have this just play out exactly the way they need it to there are no excuses for Tukarask in this playoff run he's not exhausted you know uh, again assuming that you don't have a bunch of injuries like last year when they lost four of their top six defensemen assuming those things don't happen there are no excuses He's got the firepower. He's got the defense in front of him. He's going to be physically prepared as well as he's ever been prepared for a playoff run. If he doesn't pull it off this year,
1: it's probably going to be his fault. That's what I was going to say. Are we at the point now where it's Stanley Cup or bust for Tuca? Yeah, he, oh, of course. He, he With this three yes. He can't have a three-round run and lose and have like a 920. You know, that's not going to do it for people. He needs to sort of win the cup now, it seems. If you've
0: got a team that you think is the best team in the East, and I do, uh, and one of the two best teams in the NHL, and I do. Well, then you got to go out and win the damn cup. You have to win it, and it's not. I, I don't get me wrong. It, it is idiotic to put it all on the goaltender's shoulders. It's never all on the goaltender's shoulders. But ultimately, if you're the goaltender for a team that's that good, you've got to go out and prove it.
1: Yeah, and listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you on that because I think that, I think that is sort of the truth. Uh, of this of this postseason run, it, it is going to sort of define Tuca in a lot of ways. I mean, he has the team now. This is not an eight seed sneaking in. This is not, you know, I think this team is better than the President's Trophy team. I really do. I think that they're deeper because you look at that President's Trophy year, they lose uh, Dennis Seidenberg middle of the season and you have Andre Mazaros you know, he's not your number one target. He ends up scratched for half the second round. That's not that's not your ideal team. I think this is the ideal roster right now, barring something catastrophic happening here in these final three, which I think they'll manage to the point where that doesn't happen. I, I, well, they, I they're gonna We talked that.
0: about this last segment, you know, the way they've had to play without guys yeah. a lot this year. You go through the number of games missed for, for this team, and, you know, you've got double-digit numbers for Marchand, for Bergeron, for Chara, for McAvoy. This team is is prepared as well as any team could possibly be to overcome injuries. You'll get some in the playoffs. I understand that. What you can't overcome, any team can't overcome, losing you know four of your six defensemen. When it's all in one position, you know if you lose all three, if you lose three of your four centers, well, it's kind of hard to overcome those sorts of things. But if this team, you know, maintains some semblance of health, you'll get guys who will get dinged up. You'll get guys. Like Brandon Carlo just got hurt, you can overcome those as long as it's not all in one position. You know, it's and it's the same with football. If if you know three of your cornerbacks all go down hurt at the same time, well, you're not. No team is built to overcome that. No team is built to overcome four of your six defensemen going down, which is what you had happen here. You know, where Tommy Cross is one of your Stanley Cup playoff defensemen. It's not supposed to work that way. You can work a guy in like that if you need to. You can't work four guys in like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's the one thing actually that's kind of concern. It was a little bit concerning to me is, is seeing the center injuries sort of pile up over this last weekend here. When Bergeron when doesn't speak after Sunday's game, when Krejci looks like he's obviously battling something with his wrist, and the game before that he takes a shot off the foot. You know, Riley Nash is back in Boston with his head swollen. You're like, okay, now this is getting a little dicey. here. Now I'm getting a little worried. But I I feel as if those worries were a little over the top off the jump. I think I think you need to see what happens tonight and you assess from there. But but it, but it yeah, is. we
0: should point out to folks that the emergency recall for tonight's game of Colby Cave is for Tommy Wingles. Yeah. It's not for Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci, where you'd really start to hit the panic button a little more. Uh, and even Tommy Wingles has got a hand injury that Bruce Cassidy said is not that big a deal. He can't play tonight. He's not available tonight. But this isn't a long-term thing. So Colby Cave comes up from Providence and gets an opportunity to play. That game's Sunday night, and I know you're limited. You can't bring up the Providence Bruins to play if that game means what I think it's going to mean, which is nothing, I would, I would. Sit, there's no way Marchand sees the ice. Pasternak, Krug, uh, those guys would all sit down, and I'd play as many guys from Providence as I could play.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listen, the whole thing with Austin Zarnik—they're afraid to call him up because they might lose him in waivers. He's leaving anyway. He's going to be a free agent in the, the year. He's not going to resign here, I don't think, to just be a depth piece. So bring him up, play him, play him in the top line on on Saturday and Sunday because I don't want to see any of these guys any of them even have the chance of getting hurt before the, po- before the postseason because that would really suck. It would rob this team of what, what they've worked hard to deserve, I think. I
0: mean, you're not going to play until Thursday. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not, not detective work here. The Celtics have a game on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. So I can sort of figure out that the Bruins will be that Thursday-Saturday thing. Plus they're having to play Sunday night, so they'd have done that anyway. Yeah. You know, I could see where you'd play Tuca Saturday because that's a pretty long gap. Of course if you played him Thursday and then didn't play him again until the following Thursday maybe you think that's too big a gap and I understand that my guess is what you'd do is is you're going to flip-flop him here you're going to play Tuca tonight in, in Tampa you're going to play Anton Hudobin Thursday I'm guessing you're going to play Tuka Saturday hudobin Sunday and then you're ready to go for Thursday with Tuka you know to start the playoffs
1: yeah I could see that I mean that that's that's sort of the best way to do it I think without overdoing it in a way I wonder if they I wonder if they would almost treat it like a preseason game and, and have them do a half and half. You know, they have Tuca do first two periods and you pull them from I mean, there. You could.
0: I, I probably wouldn't mess with things like that. I, I wouldn't want them getting into the preseason mode in their head anyway. Uh, I mean, I, I I think it works out pretty well if you just alternate the final four games. You know, it gets you where you want to go anyway. It still gets Tuca, you know, a significant amount of rest. If he plays Saturday and doesn't play again until, you know, Thursday, that's... Uh, in the NHL, that's pretty good gap. You don't want too big a gap for a goaltender, as I said. I'm not sure you want him without a game in a week, which is what you'd get if you played him Thursday and didn't play him again until you know the playoffs start.
1: Am I thinking too much into this when I say that I'm almost happy that the Flyers won that game on Sunday, so you could potentially avoid them in Wild Card Two? That that team that kind of scares me if I'm the Bruins, and if I, if it were the first round. If you think that you're the best team in the East. Why do you give a shit who you play
0: in the playoffs? (laughs) I I mean, have you gotten to the point where you're sitting there going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to play Toronto. I don't know if I want to play New Jersey or Philadelphia. If you're the best team in the East, you're going to have to beat, you know, three pretty good teams in the Eastern Conference. What difference does it make who they are? It's that whole Ric Flair thing, Right. If you want to be the, you be the man, you, you gotta, gotta beat, beat the, man.
1: the man. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean I just look at those matchups. That's a tough matchup for them, I feel like. That Philly team is is they got some they got You're some in good the playoffs. Show, but... It's supposed to be I know. a tough matchup. No, but you know what I mean. You no, know I, I mean. know that you're afraid he's scared. I am. And I stop am. that shit. <laughs> if you're
0: if you're good enough, you're good enough. If you think you're the best team in the East, they've got to be worried about playing you. The Philadelphia Flyers have got to be going, God, I don't want to play that team in the playoffs. Or the Devils or the Maple Leafs, I don't want a piece of that. That's what they're thinking. You shouldn't be thinking that way.
1: Yeah, I know, but I'm always I'm afraid of everything. Uh, I, that's just who I am. I think as a Bruins fan, I'm always waiting for that that other shoe to drop with this team and for me to you know hate my life again. So it, it's it's one of those things. This team's done a great job of burying that. I'm just it's always in the back of my mind. I feel like they're so.
0: really good. I know. Uh, you know, take a look at the numbers. Right now, there's only one team in the NHL that's got a better record than them. Now, if you want to tell me that you're worried about playing the Nashville Predators in the Stanley Cup Final, I'm probably okay with taking that on when the time <laughs> comes. You know, I, I'm probably going to feel pretty good about my life if that's what happens.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny? I'm actually not afraid of them, That make, which makes no sense. No, I think I think that's been a great matchup for them. I, I think there's a lot of teams that I think that we look at and we, we say, okay, that, that team is a little bit worrisome, I think, in a seven-game series. But, you know, for me, I think you avoid one of these teams that, you know, has has a hot goalie or has this in the first round I think I'm okay with that like like I think New Jersey is just the op- optimal matchup for this team now. I look at it and I say that's who you want. That's the that, that's team you want to face in the first round. I I don't think that they would be the Ottawa Senators of last year or the Carolina Hurricanes of 2009 where they just totally surprise you. I think that you've handled those that team pretty well. So if you've
0: got your roster if you if you aren't missing four of your defensemen, I don't care who you play. I re- I just don't care. Uh, and, and, you you're, look, you're going to have to play good teams. That's what the Stanley Cup playoffs are all about. You're one of them. It's like Bill Parcells used to say, I don't like to throw a, a young player to the Wolves until I discover he's one of the Wolves.
1: I like that. The Bruins are one of the Wolves. Maybe the biggest one in the league.
0: They, they might be. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're the best team in the NHL. What I am going to say is they're the best team in the East. I've seen enough of the Eastern Conference to, to feel pretty strongly about that. They're one of the Wolves. Other teams have got to be worried about playing them. If you're sitting here as a Bruins fan, you can't be worrying about oh, who do I have to play? Do I have to play New Jersey? Do I have to play Philly? Do I have to play Columbus? Do I have to play Toronto? They've got to be worried about playing you.
1: No, it's true. And I think uh, I, got, I got asked a question. I did a radio spot last week and I said, "What was the one thing?" And I want to get your opinion on this. What was the one thing that can derail this team? And I said injuries. I said Pasternak going cold because I think they're right. Even, si- I'm not even worried about that. Yeah, I'm not even worried
0: about that. Uh, again, he's he's proven he's proven what he is and and what he can do. Uh, you know, he is one of the best young forwards in the NHL. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about suddenly David poster now. The moment being too big or something. Uh, based on what I've seen so far this year, your only concern is guys getting hurt. And then, as I said, having a bunch of guys getting hurt at one position, where all of a sudden you're going, "Holy cow! I I can't overcome this." Uh, I'm not worried about... In, in fact, Paster, in Posternak's case, it might be just the opposite. His personality is such that nothing phases him. It really doesn't. In fact, I could see him stepping to the occasion when you get to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think his... sort of how he's handled this this final stretch here is, is encouraging for me. I think that last year, he did have a little bit of the jitterbug kind of thing in his first playoff series. I thought he had some moments where the moment did look a little too big. I just think that, you know, if he's dialed in and ready to go this team is going to go real far i think that's but but if he goes cold that's the one thing i have concerns about because their right side i mean if rick nash is at 70% he's still he's still pretty good but then you're so relying on sort of, of, of Bacchus and wingles and you know achari whoever you put on that right side there I, I get a little worried there so so no i i think overall it's pretty encouraging to see what what he's done so far yep he's ready so before we get out of here it's our Wise snacks player of the week We'll start with you. Who do you got? Patrice Bergeron. The last five games, three goals, four
0: assists, seven points, a game-winning goal in there as well. I mean, I, I, it's sort of boring. It's sort of like playing chalk here. I could try to get creative. <laughs> Tory Krug is close, by the way. He, he'd be maybe my second, but uh, I'll play chalk and say Patrice Bergeron.
1: See, I tried diving in a little bit because I, because for this exact reason. I was like, Nah, I can't pick one of these guys, whatever. I, I went Nolachari here because I think that Sort of he, he got beat up in the face off circle. Uh he went 0 for nine uh against uh the Panthers. But that Thursday game and and the Saturday game, I think that, that he established himself physically. He got in the heads of, of some better players in my opinion. You know, and, and he, he found a way to create an identity for that line, even with Sean Crowley being gone. I think I think Crowley sort of is the speed element of the recklessness of that line, really kinda of sets a tone for the other players. I thought Ashari did a great job with that and then he scores a goal on Sunday. So I'm going a deep cut here. I guess I'm going Nolachari there. I like Nolachari.
0: I like Tim Schaller. I mean, I, I, I have a real appreciation for those fourth-line guys anyway. Uh, and and I, I know we're kind of up against the end of this thing, but the other advantage that I think the Bruins have as they go into the playoffs is Bruce Cassidy, uh, who any other year he would be a shoe-in for Coach of the Year. Oh, absolutely. Any other year. Uh, What you had was the the Vegas Golden Knights do something nobody could have predicted, win the Pacific Division in their first year in the league, one of the best teams in the West in their first year in the league. Gerard Gallant, the name's already on the trophy, and it should be. I got no issues with that. Any other year, Bruce Cassidy would be a shoe-in for Coach of the Year. The buy-in factor from this team, not just the young guys. You expect young guys to buy in because they're just happy to be here the buy-in factor from the veterans on this team, and, and you could go right from the top on down, from Bergeron and Marchand and Krejci and Chara, the buy-in factor from those guys has shown me all I need to know about, about Cassidy and, and the message getting across here. Uh, I think he, I think he becomes a real advantage for this team when you start the playoffs because he's pushed a lot of buttons here that have really been the right buttons. You can't think of too many coaching moves that he's made that you say, "Oh, that one came back and bit him in the ass." It doesn't happen with him that often.
1: Yeah, and I and I'm, I've learned not to overreact to those kind of moves like I would in the past. I think when he scratched DeBrusque, I was like, oh, I don't like that." DeBrusque comes back, a new player, you know, just totally. He sticks Riley Nash as the setter on, on, on
0: the top line with Bergeron out, and Riley Nash fits in superbly with those guys. You know, he he sticks Tim Schaller, he moves him up a line. Because, you know, there's something going on here, and Schaller scores a big goal Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon here against Tampa. He makes moves that at the time he makes them, you wonder about them. Like you, I, I've stopped questioning them, but I wonder sometimes, okay, how's this going to work out? Well, actually pretty well. You think about the two power play units that he's got here and the moves that he's made. He's got two power play units that actually play totally different. They don't have the same power play. They don't have, okay, this is our power play. You guys go out. Now the second unit comes out. You play the same power play. They play a totally different power play. I mean, that's something about coaching and adaptability. And the other team's got to be going, oh, crap. Okay, I think I know what the Bruins' power play is going to do. Now the second unit comes out. They do something totally different.
1: You oh, yeah. know, And, and Ryan he's Donato spinning. is
0: an X factor. And uh, you know the things that
1: he's done with this team, I'm good. Yeah, it, it is wild. I mean, the, the, with the power play, you know, before we get out of here, the, the the thing I love with the power play is that you have five dominant possession players out there on their first unit. It's like you don't know where it's coming from. I think that w- for years we, for a year and a half, basically we said, okay, they're going to go Spooner to Bergeron in the bumper. That's what they want to do. Now it's it's totally different. Now they do whatever they want out there. It seems you got Pasternak tee up shots, you got Krug tee up shots. I mean, they can score from all areas of the ice on that power play, especially on that first unit totally changes the the dynamic of what you can do, and I think that you're watching this team toy with other teams. They're toying with them. They're toying with other PK units. It's unbelievable. The
0: the Bergeron goal in the third period against Tampa, where it was the Krug backhand pass to Bergeron, and you could read Bergeron's lips where he said, Oh, my God, what a play. (laughs) And, I mean, that's the guy on the ice who's finishing the play who's saying, Oh, my God, what a play. That's the type of skill that they're that they're bringing to the table this year.
1: Yeah, and and you know just, if this is just the beginning, I'm really excited for what's to come. So, uh, I mean this final this final four game stretch here, I just I just want to see them sort of figure out who that right side presence is going to be next to uh, Tori Krugan for game one. I would like to see McQuaid get another chance. You know, maybe do Holden McQuaid, Holden McQuaid, see what you have there. The same at the same. You know, in the same breath, you kind of want to get Krug some consistency there. I think that's been a big thing for him this year. So so we'll see what they do there. I mean, I, I, I'm I, not ready to write off this roster as saying this is everything, this is what you have. I, I still want to see what you have there. I want to see Donato maybe move down to the third line or Russ move down to the third line, see if you have some sort of combination there with Nash and Backus If Nash can play by the end of the season, that is uh, Riley Nash. Uh, so there's still some things I want to see answered, but overall I can't complain at all. We're good. We're good. Drop the puck. All right. This has been Zero Pucks Given brought to you by Star Market and Wise Snacks. Peace.